You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrds.nl. And now, let's get into the podcast. Good morning, beloved people of God. You're royal priests, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Last week and this week, we're taking a very compact look at God's purpose for us as royal priesthood that we find as a prominent theme in Peter's first letter. We'll be diving into that in a lot more detail in the Grow 3 series starting in January. We'll take 12 weeks on Wednesday nights to do that. But for now, quick recap from last week. We looked at what Peter had to say about our calling as priests and our conduct as priests and the consequences of being priests in God's world. As priests, we are called to be a blessing to God's world by being holy as God is holy. And we should expect that living this out in the world will at times result in us being misunderstood, slandered, excluded, sometimes with painful consequences. That's just as Jesus himself was misunderstood and rejected. Less expectedly, Peter tells us there's great joy in this because it calls out our true identity as creatures made in the image of God to give graceful love as Jesus Christ, his son, does. The result of the Dutch elections this week drew my thoughts back to the reflections that we had last Sunday about what it feels like to be aliens and temporary residents. For me, I had the new experience of being on the receiving end of some critical questions from my family in Zimbabwe, a country not known for its democratic toleration, about our own election results here in the Netherlands. It was a timely reminder of something Pastor Paul talked to us a few weeks back in his sermon on humility. That as God's elected people, we must consider the difference between the values of God's kingdom and the values of our culture. Because we are all equally precious to God. As priests, we serve a God who loves his world so much that Jesus the Son was willing to die for each and every one of us. Scripture tells us to embrace the stranger and the alien. And our spiritual experiences of alienation in the world should give us the more compassion for those who are feeling threatened, alone, rejected, unwelcome. But let's move on to this week also. We turn from our place and calling as priests in God's world to our place and calling as a people of God's own possession. We'll consider what it means to be a community together gathered in God's church 
a community is also chosen to be royal priests called into service with God's people. As for last week, the reading is a selection of passages that draw out this theme from Peter's letter. I'm going to read it without texts that distract today. If you're interested in chapter and verse, I'm going to speak them out as I quote them. Not from this reading because it's long, but from the others. Shall we read together? Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elected exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, may grace and peace abound to you. Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth, for in sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. You yourselves are being built like living stones as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. Because to this you are called, that you may obtain a blessing. Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, He will exalt you, casting all your anxieties upon Him, because He cares for you. Shall we pray? 
It's a lovely sound that everybody, I just hear you all relaxing into God's presence. Father, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And as every Sunday we gather, we pray, bring to us and to our hearts living word from your written word. A word by your spirit that moves us into action that is good and pleasing to you. Consecrate us as your royal priests today. These words to your glory. Jesus, we pray in your name by the power of your spirit. Amen. Do you remember our definition of what it means to be a priest from last week? It's kind of a complicated one, but I'll read it to you again. Priests are a chosen minority set apart by God to bless God on behalf of his world with worship and to bless the world on behalf of God through intercession and service. Last week we saw that as priests on behalf of God to his world, we are like Jesus' picture of salt. We're scattered as a minority in the world to bring a foretaste of God's gracious flavor to the world. But what about intercession? What about worship? That's the focus for today. Because there are, we are also priests on behalf of the world to God. This part of our priestly calling looks more like Jesus' picture of a city on a hill in Matthew 5, chapter, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Like a city celebrating good fruit from the harvest, a radiant city that God is building as a storehouse and a treasury to gather all the goodness from his world and celebrate. It's a city with open gates and a warm welcome for all those who will come into him as a people for his own possession. In this sense, as priests, we are elected out of the world. In this sense, we are set apart as holy. So I want to expand this picture of harvest and fruit. We look at the fruitful world God has created and the seeds of salvation and restoration that have been scattered in the gospel. And we look at the budding and the ripening of the word and the spirit. And we imagine what it will be like in all of its final glory. And then we commit our lives to nurturing and reflecting that back to God as a blessing. We nurture the fruit and its growth to reflect God's goodness, His glory, back to Himself. How does that picture help us to understand our roles as a royal priest called into service with God's people? Well, if we follow Peter's attention as he moves through his letter, we find that he moves from our being scattered in the world to our being gathered into the church to our offering ourselves up to God. This is a pattern of priesthood that I will we will consider today in three points, as you're getting used to from me. And we could summarize it like this. Firstly, we intercede for the seed that has been sown. Secondly, we steward the first fruits in the church. And thirdly, we offer the first fruits to God in worship. 
Or to put it a whole lot more simply, we pray for God's world. We care for God's people. And we give ourselves back to God. Let's start with interceding for the seed that has been sown. To intercede just means to make a request to God on behalf of and for the good of someone else. When I was 22 years old, my doubts about whether God's existence, whether God existed became so strong that I walked away from my faith. And it took me 15 years to work that out again and to return to Jesus and to believe that he is indeed the way and the truth and the life. That's part of my story. But part of God's bigger story about my life is that my father and my sisters, they prayed for me every week. And they fasted regularly for me. All of those 15 years. That's what intercession looks like. They had no control over the outcome of the results. They weren't trying to manipulate God. They're simply loving me and being faithful to their calling as royal priests. Even though at times I was harsh and critical of their faith. In chapter 3, verse 9 and 12, Peter writes, Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for to this you are called that you may obtain a blessing. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. He's quoting from Psalm 34. And maybe you remember that Johann taught us from the book of James a few weeks ago. James chapter 5, verse 16. The prayer of a righteous person has great power in its working. And in Jesus, we have been made righteous so that as priests, we are able to intercede powerfully to God on behalf of his world. As followers of Jesus, the brokenness of his world and the hurt and alienation and violence that arises from our separation from the Creator should break our hearts with the same compassion that Jesus has for his world. So we pray fervently. Firstly, if necessary, we pray that God will soften our own hearts. And then we pray for healing and comfort and restoration. For all the goodness and wholeness and peace and justice that God desires and has purposed for his world. It's part of the work and calling of a royal priesthood. We don't need to understand how this works or be able to predict its results. That's not our place. But we do need to believe God at his word that it is necessary and powerful. And believing that, we need to be faithful in praying for God's world 
Jesus himself instructs his disciples to do this. We read in Luke chapter 10, verse 2, he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord, the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into his harvest. That's what the Son does. And as royal heirs to God's kingdom in Jesus, that's what we are also to do. Peter tells us that we need to take this responsibility for powerful prayer very seriously. It's not something we do only when we feel like it. It's commanded of us that we must be intentional and disciplined about it. Chapter 4, verse 7, he says, Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. To put it in the catchy phrase of one comic book hero, with great power comes great responsibility. But unlike the Spider-Man, our prayers for the world are not only a heroic individual responsibility. They are especially a community responsibility and a community trust in God's power. When God's people were scattered from Jerusalem in exile to Babylon, he says to them through the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29 verse 7, Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. We are set apart as a holy spiritual people, but we share the physical life and circumstances of this world with all God's creatures. Their good is also our good. And we have the privilege and the responsibility to pray for their welfare. Of course, we must also act when we can. But we should know from the story of Scripture that only God in His grace and mercy has the power to restore His world from the ravages of our human sinfulness. So that is indeed what we do as a community. Every time Paul or Johan or one of the elders have led us from this stage, as they so often do, to pray together for our world. But that's not the only joyful privilege and responsibility we have as priests. As we live out the privilege and burden of being a community in exile, scattered assault in the world, we can be bruised, worn down, and tempted by the troubles and challenges of the fallen world. So Peter points us back to God's provision for our needs. He reminds us of the place and community God has provided for nurture, for encouragement, and for restoration from our trials. Because as royal priests, we are stewards of the first fruits in God's church. What does that mean? As a people of God's own possession, we are the first fruits, the first harvest from the seed of the good news of Jesus. Peter says it this way, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. 
And Jesus' half-brother James writes in James chapter 1, verse 18, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of all his creatures. As priests, we are being nurtured and built up as the resident workers in the one holy household of God. This is a collective undertaking. We are being built up by God's Spirit, but we are being built up through the care and encouragement and exhortation of one another. Maybe as you hear that, you realize you've withdrawn or held back from fellowship with other followers of Jesus. And maybe you're finding that your faith and your spiritual growth are dull and hard going. And of course, there can be many reasons for that. But certainly from God's word, we should know and expect that when we isolate ourselves from the community of God's people, our faith and hope and love will become more fragile. And when we press in together, we are strengthened and encouraged. It is not good that the man should be alone, God says, when he first creates humans in Genesis chapter 2. Remember last week we said that God is working from the few to the many. God is calling us into community as a holy nation, a priesthood, a people of God's own possession. These words are all collective, plurals, meerfout in it, Nederlands. That is the pattern throughout Scripture. We cannot experience and demonstrate God's purpose for humanity to be a beautiful, diverse, united community if we live apart from one another in private, individual lives. In God's household, we are no longer exiles and strangers to one another. No longer left alone. Part of God's restorative work in his people is to call us into a community of grace where he corrects the destructive errors of our pride and independence, excuse me, and all our competition and comparison and individualistic ambition and win-lose mentality. And it starts with humility. Peter uses this word multiple times in his exhortation to the church community. One example, chapter 5, verse 5, he says, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. Pastor Paul preached a powerful and wonderful sermon to us about that just a few weeks ago. And I encourage you to go and listen to it again. Humility returns us to the truth that we are equally and immeasurably all precious to God. And that puts our hearts in a place where we can affirm the value in others without feeling insignificant and worthless ourselves. As we make our frail attempts to do so, the Spirit of God softens our hearts to recognize our own failings, limitations, sinfulness. And it opens us up to engage with the messy goodness of caring for others who are both as imperfect and valuable as we are 
God in his wisdom and goodness has made us for himself, but also for one another. That word resounds so often through scripture. Not for ourselves. Chapter 4, verses 8 to 10, Peter says, Above all, keep on loving one another earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as stewards of God's varied grace. Here, in a nutshell, is the heart of what it means to be stewards. People who tend to one another and take care of one another as God's fruit, the apple of His eye. We turn our attention from ourselves to celebrate and call out and equip God's beloved in one another. And God has given us gifts, each and every one of us. You included. So that we can tend one another's needs and care for one another's wounds. In his household, with his people, under his gracious oversight, we have an opportunity to practice and receive from one another gracious love. To encourage one another in our difficulties. Exhort one another to resilience. Support one another against our temptations. To wander from God's good way. With each other we learn to forgive and be forgiven. And to pray for one another's needs. To listen to one another's stories. Share one another's joys and sorrows. And we give one another the opportunities to become all that God has made us to be. Not our best selves, but God's redeemed and restored people. And we affirm that despite our failings, we are loved and embraced. That's what it means to be stewards of God's varied grace. To again, maybe just give one example from my own experience. When I first came back to church after those 15 years, I was not yet convinced, but was once again open to God's existence. And yet in this community, I was encouraged to serve in the creche under Manya's leadership. I'm trying to count the years as I'm thinking it's 18 years or so, and she's still doing it faithfully today. I was given the trust and encouragement to care for some of the babies of our community. And as I did that, I found that those little ones softened my own heart so I could hear God's love for me again. That happens in community. So we build one another up. And as we do that, our hearts are moved naturally upwards to the source. And that brings us to the most joyful part of being a royal priesthood. 
we take ourselves and all the good that God has given us and is doing among us, and we bring that back into the arms of its rightful owner. Or to put it another way, with the picture we've been using, we offer the first fruits in worship to God. We return all of this goodness to God out of his exile in a fallen world. We follow Jesus who is himself the firstborn out of all creation. In Peter's words, in verse two, chapter 2, verse 5, we offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We acknowledge and reflect back to God all our wonder and thanksgiving for the foretaste that we now already have of what it will one day be like in all of its glory and perfection. And this, too, is a community affair. Alice painted the picture for us a few weeks ago about from the book of Revelation that God delights in our diversity, but he calls us into unity as a people of his own possession. We do not bring God only our one green banana, or one ear of wheat. We bring him the whole pantry. Fruit bowls and baskets and sacks full of the goodness that we find in one another, that we receive out of God's creation. And we offer it all up and commit it all to God as the worthy and rightful owner. All this growing abundance. When we worship aloud together later, think about that and offer each other up, not just yourselves. Not all of us are equally good at all of these three things. Intercession, stewardship, worship. But that too is part of God's goodness and wisdom in his gift of community. We carry one another in our strengths, and we lean on one another in our weaknesses. Our prayer warriors, they pray with us and for us and lead us in prayer. Our worshipers lead our hearts into an attitude of worship. Our missionaries seek the good of the city. Those gifted with financial resources provide for our material needs, our ministry center, our compassion fund. And our deacons care for the needy out of those funds. Our teachers lead us in remembering and understanding God's word and God's way, and so on, and so on, in a myriad of visible and less visible ways of caring and sharing and service. And all of this is a delight to God. It's how we offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. So what's on your heart for God's world and God's people today? Will you commit to pray for that daily just for one week? 
and see how the Spirit of God might deepen your compassion and love for His world. Maybe do it together with a few others. Excuse me. Sorry about that. Do it together with a few others of God's people. Or maybe the Spirit of God is prompting you about your stewardship of God's grace and building up God's community. Which person or people come to mind as you look around this community today who need your encouragement, exhortation, or just a kind word of recognition and affirmation? Or maybe the practical support and care of the gift that God has given you. Maybe it's the invitation of someone for a meal who just needs the warmth of companionship. Or maybe it's taking time to share your expertise. Or a friend who's feeling down who just needs you to get them out and doing something fun and lighthearted. But then again, maybe you're in a place where you're empty, struggling with pride to admit your weakness and accept the love and care that others are willing to give you. Do you need to just take a small step towards that kind of humility? Admit your need to another and allow them to be a blessing to you out of their plenty and your weakness. It doesn't need to be material. Maybe it's kindness or a listening ear. Maybe it's more. A commitment to accountability. Sharing the burden of guilt. And hearing the assurance of Jesus that you're forgiven and loved. Whatever it is that God puts on our hearts today from his word. I pray we will live like a people of his own possession this week. Listen and follow Jesus as royal priests called into service with God's people for our good and his glory. Shall we pray? Father, what a joy. What a privilege. This beautiful community of people that you call us together and you call us royal priests, holy nation, people of your own possession. And we know but Jesus, as we look to you on the cross and as we look to you high and lifted up as the Lamb of God, we're inspired and we're intimidated. And all of our pride comes forward and we want to do it out of our own strength. And we forget that the fruit is the fruit of your spirit. So come, Holy Spirit, make us an exuberant fruit basket, overflowing bags of grain, a people for your own possession.
In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.